Hi team, you're listening to Equally Lots, Equally Lots, the weekly podcast on design, business and existential crisis. I am Sophia and today with me is... Elsa. Hello. Hola. Ciao. How many more languages can we do, do you think? Um, ni hao. <laughs> yeah, okay, we got to, what, like three, four? <laughs> that's, that's good yeah, already. <laughs> How are you? I am good because I'm fucking graduating next week. I have my graduation ceremony. Um, so planning a lot of it. And then bad because I'm fucking tired and I'm kind of sick. So I hope like I can make it to Friday. That's good. Yeah, I think the being sick thing is like just a feature of like the first week of October, which is like happy October. Oh my God um crazy I think like September went by like that I certainly had a sick scare that I didn't tell you about Ooh, what happened okay well we're launching right into it so basically um I was at a gathering of people on Saturday like last week gathering of people sounds illegal <laughs> I was at a certain congregation on Saturday. On Monday, one of my friends who I'd been hanging out with got a message that she'd been exposed to like a confirmed COVID case. And we were like, well, that's fun. This is great. It's extra complicated because like there's a bunch of like flu cases going around on campus just because it's the season. So you kind of like don't know if the guy coughing next to you is like covid sick or just like influenza sick and so she went to get tested and then got a positive covid case you know like we're all fine like we're like no one's dying everyone's healthy but that meant of course for me that I was like a close contact (laughs) and so they called me I get this call on like Wednesday morning I had just come from the gym and the dining hall like both places where like you're touching a lot of things and there's a lot of people and of course like when I get the call and they're like, oh, you're a close contact, like you should get tested. I'm like, well, fuck, like if I have it, I've just spread it to about 75 people. I get tested and then we launch into this like 48 hour, this waiting period of me like waiting to get this test result back. And let me tell you, that was something else. My anxiety was having a field day with this. So like my brain, you know, when like sometimes you just like, you have like a bit of an itch like in your brain and then you like google the symptom and they're like oh you have like a brain tumor and then you're like convinced that you have a brain tumor and then like you just get more sick yeah yeah yeah, absolutely i know what you mean the hypochondria like your body does like crazy things when you decide you're ill and so my my brain had decided that i of course was like gonna have a positive covid test and so in the 48 hours that i was like waiting for this test result it was like I was on shrooms, except I wasn't on shrooms. Like I was in bed, like feeling all of the things that my body was doing. And I was like, okay, is this fatigue or is this what it's like having muscles? Like, is this a sore throat or does is this what it feels like to have a throat? I was just like suddenly like intimately aware of everything that was going on. And then of course, Friday at like five in the morning I get this email saying that I've tested negative and all of it just goes away the mind is powerful it's incredible how it can make your life 
like life hanging so much it's so funny you said you sent me this because i remember um back like i think it was 2020 like end of 2020 i was so scared about like spreading covid to people and i remember i was messaging you like has something or like i said like i feel sick like i can't breathe like i can't breathe like i know i have covid and she was like and you were like calm down you know and i oh i still remember to this day the sentence that you told me that was like you know when you have covid like you really have like a lot more difficulty about with um Lot more, more difficult with your breathing or something like that and I remind myself of this every time I think I have COVID again and I'm like fuck oh my god I'm getting COVID again and then yeah. never get it but like I know like I honestly think eventually we all get it but well I mean like we're a double vaccinated right so like hopefully not and that's the thing right so like mm-hmm. we had hung out like my entire friend group had hung out in very close proximity to this COVID case like so I think you define a close contact as someone who you've like been in contact with unmasked for like 15 minutes or more within a 24-hour period. We spent way more time than that together. Yeah. We like drank out of the same cup and everything. All of us tested negative. Like the vaccines work, even though breakthrough cases do happen. And the other thing with like the breathing thing, I think what I told you, and I now remember this conversation, is like if it's like anxiety, chest pain, then or like anxiety induced difficulty breathing then you can still if you focus take in a deep breath if it's COVID yeah. difficulty breathing you like physically cannot those were the words those were the words I used to remember them to this day every time I'm like freaking out about it so for me I, I kind of got like kind of a scare because I went clubbing on Saturday which obviously like not the most responsible thing to do in a pandemic but at the same time in London everything is open so why should I not go um I went there and it was like, and I went there for like half an hour, literally, because I, the place was so cold and there was a, the AC on and I got like a huge migraine and I was like, fuck, oh my God, I'm just like breathing all the COVID now. And I'm just like, this is just the first time it got to me like this fast. This is like how, like how strong it is here in the club, but it actually wasn't. And then, and then exactly like three days later for the incubate, like, you know, the incubation period more or less, um, I was at the office and I killed I kid you not, I could not like my throat was sore. I barely could like I could barely speak. My eyes were like watery. I felt like I had a fever. I was like shivering. I was like blowing my nose all the time. And I was like, fuck oh my god, like I'm here in the office. What do I do? And then I left and then I tested. I tested negative. And then the following day I had to catch flight to Italy and I t- did my test again and I tested negative. And so I'm negative, like I just got massive cold because it went from like 17 degrees to like eight in one week. So that could also have contributed to that, uh, to my like weak immune, immune system. But yeah, like it's so, it's so bad because I, especially because in the office, it's an open space floor and people don't wear the mask at the desk. Like you, you can wear a mask, you have to wear a mask like from, you know, when you enter the building until you reach your desk, but at your desk, you don't have to wear it, which kind of doesn't make sense because I still spend 12 hours a day looking at my screen without a mask on and that's what like all the other 50 people in the room do yeah I mean that's the thing though is like during this like 48 hour doom period that I had just this week I was like googling shit like what does fatigue feel like like because I was trying to figure out if like I had symptoms right and this is the thing like I think when you're sick you know 
like you know you're fatigued like there is like no way okay I was the master of like convincing myself that I wasn't sick when I was like a bit younger like freshman year sophomore year but realistically like when you know you know and so yeah yeah yeah. that was also something that I was like trying to tell myself yeah I really think it's also so stressful because like in my mind like I keep like I go like backwards to all the people that I've met all the people I've interacted with and I keep counting and I'm like oh my fucking god like this is the extent of it you know so yeah yeah oh I had a full list of people in my mind because like again I was so convinced that I was going to like test positive and I was like oh my god they're going to ask me about like my close contacts so I had like a full list of people in mind I was like going through my like memories from when we were out like who did I meet and it's like so difficult right because it's like when you go out you have like 15 minute conversations with people who you don't know in like the bathroom and you're like best Mm. friends and you don't know their name and you're like what am I going to tell the health center like can you please call that one girl who was wearing the same shirt every other girl is wearing she looks like every other bitch (laughs) they're like (laughs) yeah how we're gonna explain that no but then I was also thinking um this would be the perfect thing to do as 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 revenge for people that I don't like because obviously uh, they would have called them like Friday morning. They couldn't have gone out the entire weekend. <laughs> and then- <laughs> oh my god, you're you're <laughs> that's this is my villain origin that, story. That, that laugh was like your 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 like evil laugh, you know. <laughs> but imagine it would have been so funny. And then they test on Monday, and they're negative, and they're like, "Well, fuck me." <laughs> Because everyone who gets pinged has to get tested and you like can't go to like crowded places. Any Anything else from your week? Well, um, I'm definitely feeling the senioritis kick in. Just the last year I don't care attitude. The thing is, I do care. I haven't like actively decided that I don't care. But it's like I was sitting in the library today and I was like, well, I have all this work, but it doesn't feel very important so I'm gonna do the I'm gonna do I'm gonna do the part that's graded and I'm gonna do like my thesis stuff and I'm gonna be happy with myself for having done that on a Saturday you know that's called 8020 no it's not that's called senioritis (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean you can call you can call it whatever you want but I'm calling it senioritis I am my thesis um it's cool. My advisor is great. Oh, this is really funny. So basically, you know, you have those phrases that like you start saying ironically and then you could just like can't stop. Mm-hmm. For, for me, that's been saying that's hot and that's sexy, which has been very, it's led to some like very confusing situations. So I was at language tables, which is this like thing that we do as part of the language program here. Um, and like, we had Hala, which is like the, like, I don't, is it, I think it's like Jewish. It's like a bread. It's like a braided bread. It's just white bread. It's really good. Um, and we were taking like pieces of the Hala and I was like, oh, that's hot. And the girls around me are like, no, fuck, what the fuck? It's just sitting around forever. It's a cold bread. Like, what are you <laughs> saying? And I'm like, no, it's hot as in like, that's sexy because Hala is really mm-hmm. good. And so, of course, 
now I can't stop. So I was meeting with my advisor and she, when we go in, she would like ask me about like the readings I've done, like what I thought about them. We just kind of spitball a lot for the hour that I sat there. And so I was telling her about this article that she sent me and that I'd read that was about like how and like to what extent migrant communities existing attracts banking investment. Like how do you like foreign banks establish subsidiaries in certain countries based on whether they have like a customer base there basically. And it was a super interesting article. And she asked me like, oh, what do you think about it? And I was like, oh, that was really sexy. <laughs> this was really sexy. I was just like, said it. She doesn't say anything. She's like, I got, I wish you guys could like see my face. Cause she was just like, hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like she didn't ask any questions. She was just, she was on board with it. No, I love her. She's great. Um, a lot of it is just like me talking at her. It's the, it's the thesis advisor to therapist pipeline. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's going well. Your mommy actually I should try and catch up with his advice when I'm in Italy. Well, what can I say about my week? Did a lot of stuff, started like lifting at the gym and that fucking killed me. Like, um, what else did I do? I did a lot of shopping because I, I had to buy my, my clothes for my graduation. But basically here in Italy, graduation is a huge deal. And so I had to... Um, go to the florist and also so like so we wear this like crown made of leaves like Julius Caesar and that's like meant to represent knowledge and then each faculty has a different um a different ribbon that you attach to it of a different color and so for mine it's like I I went for the yellow which is the one for economics but then political science has it in like violet and technically I should have two but violet and yellow I was just like no okay I'm just gonna get yellow um and then yeah but what's so nice is that I've been discovering um a lot of like jewelry from my gram like great grandmas etc that's being passed on to me because of the occasion and then like my mom made like these earrings from some like some stuff that we had at home that we inherited and she made them like more modern and so that's that's really nice I feel like connected to the female ancestry in my family no. <laughs> although I still have no fucking glue what I'm gonna wear but it's okay yeah yeah I'm wearing I feel that I'm wearing my mum's earrings and my grandmother's ring <laughs> as yeah. we speak god dude I can't believe that you're so close to graduation and you still don't have your like dress figured out because mine is in May I started thinking about it like last April and I was like, <laughs> freaking out because I couldn't think of anything that I wanted to wear. The thing is, like, Americans don't dress up that much. Like, I saw a bunch of pictures of people just, like, wearing, like, sandals. Like, not, like, heeled sandals, like, nice sandals, but, like, just sandals. To like, basically, like, basically, like, a, like, an elevated version of a Birkenstock. And I was like, that's curious okay um and I like bought my graduation shoes this summer but now I'm realizing that their heel is like very is like very narrow and I think we have to walk on grass so I might need to like think of a plan b because I do not want my heels like sinking into the ground as I walk to go get my diploma <laughs> yeah no like for me obviously I know so I went for I bought this like suit that has like a jacket and a pant and but then 
the suit also comes with a long dress and I could wear the dress instead of the jacket and the pants. Um, so I'm like torn between wearing pants or the nice dress. And I bought you heels. To... You have to like go big on heels. Yeah. Die on that day. I think I'm going to sprain my ankle like for sure. Do you wear a robe in Italy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not common. Like my university does it. But um, yeah, so we, we I have to wear one on top of it. So maybe that's why the dress is like a bit better because you, you can see it more. That's why, yeah, I agree. I, I love a good pantsuit. I have nothing against a good pantsuit, but I don't like the idea of having to like wear the traditional American robe and then having like a pair of trousers sticking out from under it, you know? I think like a dress just like keeps the silhouette a bit cleaner. Yeah, I also feel like, you know, the pants who I'm obviously going to wear it again, like more than once. I will probably wear like this week as well if I'm going to like some someplace fancy, etc. But the dress, I feel like, you know, I only got like one time to wear it, like before I can wear it again to like a more formal occasion. So, yeah, I agree. There are very few opportunities where you get to wear like a nice dress, at least at this point in my life. The last time I got to wear a dress to like with heels to something was like my last work event which was a month ago yeah same I mean no actually like for me it's from dates way back further because last time I had to wear like a full suit was for a trip and then I was like completely overdressed because everyone was like wearing jeans from the fucking office and I was there like with a with a shirt and my like my jacket and my pants I was like oh okay thanks god I didn't wear heels today because that would have felt like way out of place um I think dude the last time I wore a dress with like heels like for a formal I've had I think that was for like our LPC graduation really yeah 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 I think I think so, yeah. Because every like ever since I just went for like the nice pants, you know. That was it a while ago. Like, that was three years ago. Yeah, it wasn't that like because I didn't have any like gala stuff to wear like a long dress with. No, I mean like the last time I wore like uh, if we're talking like black tie, like evening gown, that was our graduation dinner for sure. I haven't worn like a gown after that. Oh wait. No, because like we've had formal events at college, but because it's America, formal here means like semi-formal in Europe. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Well, is there anything you want to talk about today? You can also oh, talk actually, a bit more about your paper linking migration. No, no, I do not want to. No, no, I don't want to. I think people are going to like bleed out of their ears if I start talking about foreign subsidiaries. Um you know, actually, what's really interesting is as we're recording this, um, there, there are a bunch of protests going on around the United States to protect abortion. The Supreme Court is hearing oral arguments um, on a case that could potentially um, turn down Roe v. Wade, which is catastrophic. And it's coming at an interesting time because my like fun class, like my fun elective that I registered for this year, like the semester, is a class called Politics of Reproductions in the Gender Studies Department. So the approach here is like very different from what I'm used to. And it's really, really interesting to see these like pro-abortion 
protests going on at the same time as we're reading content that's like really making me question the framing of the reproductive rights movement. And the reason for that is, is like basically a lot of the authors that we've read have pointed out how like the contemporary narrative around reproductive rights is basically about like you need to have a right to abortion and of course we as you know like people who have read stuff about this know that like choice really by itself doesn't mean anything if you don't have access to something like if you for example just like cannot afford to travel to the next state then it doesn't really matter if the state like allows you to get an abortion because it's just like not materially feasible for you that's one part of it but also that like just framing the entire reproductive rights movement around birth control and abortion is in the end a very like white feminist thing to do. Angela Davis has a fantastic essay about this where she talks about how like basically the birth control movement as she calls it has historically failed to do this kind of like historical self-survey of itself. And what that means is that if white feminists who have made the abortion rights movement about themselves and like centered it around like white middle-class women, essentially, if they had done that work, they would realize that like for a lot of black women and other women of color in the United States, the term birth control and especially abortion hold still this kind of like historical wound of forced sterilization. And basically it was just like, you could go down like a whole rabbit hole on this. Um, the statistics on it are really, really horrifying. But basically as recently as like in the seventies, there were actual like political federally funded programs that were designed to direct federal funds to like the abortions and forced sterilizations of women who were deemed like not legitimate mothers. Like, for example, you would forcefully sterilize like a poor woman because you think that's not a good idea for her to bring a child into the world because she like can't afford to take care of it or something like these kinds of like logics because of the Hyde Amendment, which is like basically just means that federal funds can't be used to fund abortions. Abortions cost a lot of money. It's really hard to get access to your pool. Sterilizations, however federally funded, accessible on demand for poor women. And so there's just like a lot of this like noise around. There's a lot of this like noise going on in my brain as I'm watching these protests, because it's not that they're malicious. It's just that they are like the physical manifestation of this like very limited view on reproductive rights, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Read some pieces of the work that you were mentioning by Angela Davis as well, and I think you know the main point is that every time we like try to fight for you know white feminism, um, we forget about the intersectionality part of feminism, and then like I think you're advocating for a more inter- intersectional approach to women's reproductive and reproductive rights that recognizes the different stratifications and the different. Um, the different barriers to access re- like free to really like achieve the free choice that women want to have yeah and it's like um it's it's a difficult conversation right like my professor was talking about this where it's like you want to unite feminists under this umbrella 
And at the same time, you run the risk of through the umbrella by trying to unite everyone, obscuring the individual and very significant problems that individual groups under that umbrella face for example black women in the united states um another thing that i want to say was like about the statistics that i mentioned about the forced sterilizations angela davis cites this number that um under the nazi regime as part of their forced sterilizations over that like the entire regime they forcefully sterilized about 200,000 women which is an insane amount yeah in 74, in 1974 alone, this figure states, the United States federal government forcefully sterilized about 250,000 in one year. And yeah. so I think that's like another reason to be like really critical of US narratives because this country is so comfortable calling itself like the best country in the world, the like home of freedom, like all of these things while at the same time participating in exactly the same types of really oppressive, really violent, um, like, state control that they condemn overseas. Yeah, it's a, it's a, also one thing that I find, I found the first time I read these, read these things, uh, one thing that really stuck, stuck me and shocked me was the, la- like, my complete ignorance about this until, like, I found out when you and, say this what do you mean okay first of all first point uh first premise is i don't have a really like solid background like u.s domestic policy etc because i never said in the u.s and then never you really said like u.s politics and like policy making and i just like studied like in my life you know u.s as a case study for like social movements such as how you have with like martin luther king um universal suffrage etc um two I came across this actually in one of my seminars for political philosophy because I had a female professor and she wanted to also look at the role of women in politics. And so one, and it was more of a thematic slash contemporary and chronological approach. And when we moved on to like seventies, um, eighties, obviously we looked at Angela Davis as well. And that's where I read um, the part about uh federal federally funded sterilization and i had no fucking clue about this like mm-hmm. as an external participant to the u.s matters i had no fucking clue i don't think i would have known if i didn't have like a female professor that i had the sensitivity to also include a conversation on women in politics women in political philosophy um in my course syllabus you know yeah, like yeah. so so much of the shady stuff and the condemnable stuff the U.S. does doesn't come out of the U.S. or if it and if it does, it comes out like ten years later. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's like you know the woman issue is one part of it, but all of these like quote unquote population control measures which forced sterilization falls under, they're also like they're first and foremost deeply rooted in white supremacy, like. If you, I think her name is like Margaret Sanger, something horrible woman, like chair of the eugenics society or something like this. They expressly say that they want to just like completely exterminate what they call the black race. And it's just like, it's absolutely horrifying to read, right? Because like, they're so blatant about it. And just as you say, it just kind of falls, like it, it just kind of like swept under the carpet 
and I think like also I mean like what's really clear in this conversation right is like um well for one we are like white girls who have the privilege of being surprised by this stuff but also that like the way that we access this information is through like institutions of higher education which already is like a very inaccessible part of society right like the vast majority of the population will never come across this material and yeah. that's an intentional choice that just shows you like the information asymmetry that's reflected onto the type of opportunities that you are given in life but yeah there's been a lot of like really fascinating material on this and like just I mean on the entire what you said earlier about like um advocating for a form of like birth control ad- activism abortion pro-abortion activism um that is more intersectional it just like brings out the difference between the reproductive rights movement and the reproductive justice movement with justice of course being the one that acknowledges that people have different types of access people have different material conditions we aren't single i think it was audrey lord who said that there's no such thing as a single issue fight because we don't we don't live single issue lives um and so yeah that's been like it was supposed to just like be my fun class where i thought we were just going to talk about texas it's hard a lot of this shit is really like it takes a long time to read and because like I think gender studies like troubles like intentionally tries to trouble so many like fundamental ideas in our society that it just like takes me a long time to kind of like process after I've read which is a great experience yeah I 100% feel that and um I'm, and I've had a gender studies class, but I do feel what you mean, what you mean when you say, you know, it takes a lot of time to process and also the kind of content you're uh, exposed to is provoking content it's meant to be because it's meant to like open your eyes to like an issue, like, like for example, the one we just, we just discussed. Um, I think one thing I want to say, I think it's just that ultimately all boils down to what you differentiate, like how you, define equality and how you define equity because in my like in my view equality is you have like three people looking over a fence and you give all of three different heights you have like a kid an old man and a guy and you all give them the same like ladder with the same height the kid is still not going to be able to look at like what what's behind the fence whilst with equity you give them in proportions what they need for them to be able to like look over the fence equally so I think it also boils down to that a lot like yeah yeah and it boils down to I think also just like really fundamental ideas in the U.S. of like how how the U.S. sees its own governance and how we see the role of the state right like what this is like one of the first pieces we read was Nancy Ehrenreich's essay on positive liberty and negative liberty and like what the US loves and basically what we see in the Supreme Court or we see in Roe v Wade what we see in all of these decisions is the idea of like freedom from government intervention the government can't tell you that you can't have an abortion basically whereas Mm -hmm. like with the equity approach of course what we would need is positive liberty meaning equality through government intervention the government needs to intervene in ways that are helpful to people and that is just like fundamentally a very foreign idea to a lot of like the u.s politic 
Yeah, that's true. Because I would, I would guess that with positive, as a term, would mean the acceptance of the people for the government to intervene and for the government to take on the responsibility for intervention, right? Say that again. So with positive liberty, positive mm-hmm. in, as a term implies an agreement between the people and the state on the state on providing this kind of liberty and the people agreeing to receive that, right? Yeah, I don't know about the etymology of it, but yeah, it's the idea that like instead of the government just not intervening at all, it does intervene, but in ways that are supposed to like feel some inequity. It's supposed to compensate for some inequity. So like positive liberty just means that the government intervenes in useful ways. And now a Republican will be like, well, but how do we determine what's useful? Well, there's data on that. We know that certain groups of people have certain terms of material barriers. And so it's really not as fuzzy of a word as people like to pretend. Yeah. Yeah. Another part of like the state thing, which is like, again just like gross is have you heard of like u.s private prisons i watched a documentary on the u.s prison systems and like the mass incarceration system and they showed um yeah 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 yeah. i think i think i did like they show like this private prison that were operated by private firms and then all the services within the prison were also privatized and so for example one of them if i don't remember uh, correct if i remember correctly was that for example, the telephone to be able to like pay, like to be able to like call your family or anyone from the prison was like overly priced to mm-hmm. an unaffordable amount because obviously the private firm had like all the pricing power in it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So like you have people literally benefiting off of incarcerated Americans who are predominantly black. Um, so that's like one part of it. But if we think about like state intervention, then in private prisons, those private prisons are for the most part kind of like outside of state control. The state can't really intervene in it. And that's a designed feature as well. We read this article by Rachel Roth, who's basically asking the question of like, what vectors in a private prison constitute the state? Because in a lot of states, private prisons are outside of the legislative powers of the legislature. That's one branch of the government. And there have been cases where the judicial branch has been like, we can't say anything about this mistreatment of this prisoner in this private prisons because, because of like a statute that I don't remember. There's a reason why. Point being, how is the state supposed to intervene if a private prison is like outside of state bounds, right? Yeah, it's completely fucked up. Like It's fucked up. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the main message. Constitutionally speaking, like, you know, taking aside all the, like, you know, horrible things that are done to the, the inmates and the, the human rights violations and all of that, taking aside that, like, constitutionally speaking, from a political point of view, from a distribution of power point of view, like, you are not, you cannot give a private entity the power of justice proceeding at law enforcement. That's what you're giving them. Yeah, why do yeah. you have a fucking justice department then like yeah exactly yeah if you don't Absolutely. have like jurisdiction over them it's just like fucked up yeah because it's like it's conflict because we think about when we think about the state what's the purpose of a government the purpose of a government is to like maintain order and protect its people that's like i think 
yeah no matter what your party is like you would agree on that basically except if you're like a libertarian which like we don't include you we're not interested in like the libertarians <laughs> new hampshire is right in my backyard i don't care um <laughs> like, but you know the purpose of the state is to maintain order and to protect its people if you're just like offshoring all of that to like a private company then you as the state are not fulfilling your one purpose it's fucked up that's the main thing case closed case closed also i remember that uh, so the documentary showed that really brilliantly was um 13 on netflix for yeah fantastic documentary by the fantastic way documentary, yeah. listen, maybe interesting and you had like fucking victoria's secret that was like using prison labor for fucking free to make their their stuff ever since i watched it and do not buy a single thing for anyone who doesn't know so the thing that sophia is referring to with like prison labor and like the title of the movie the 13th amendment 13th amendment of the u.s constitution basically it was supposed to abolish slavery but there's a clause in it that says like except if you've like broken the law basically not the exact wording but that's the idea so it's like a loop yeah so it's a loophole in the amendment that was supposed to abolish slavery that if you're like a prisoner or an inmate then you're not protected by it you can still like basically be forced for forced to work um and that's what creates prison labor yeah and that also perpetrated racial segregation in the u.s because due to this loophole that you could just criminalize the african-american i.e. you persecuting more, i.e. you get the slave labor that constitutionally was abolished by you to get it like through the means of excessive persecution, racial profilings, and all of that. Yep. And I think like 13th is a really worthwhile documentary to watch because it like weaves together a lot of the problems that you know exist in US politics if you follow it at all and kind of like tie them all together to like show how they work together to make for extremely oppressive government. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It, it, it really gives a good overview and it does so, it also does it very clearly, like and explains it very clearly and simply, but it still provides you like the depth that you need to understand the extent of this issue. Absolutely. Um, so definitely recommend you guys to watch. Absolutely. And I think the challenge for I think the challenge that I've faced like in this class that I'm taking now is weaving the vector of women into that question Mm -hmm. which is not an easy thing to do like gender just like generally um is so complicated and so vast and affects our lives in so many ways that even if you like have a very very like solid understanding of the different things that go into the US prison system the different forms of racism that we've all learned a lot about, especially during this past year. Um, gender still is such a mind fuck that it's an enormous task. And even I, like, I went into this class, like, with a bit of hubris, like, you know, I've been at a liberal arts college for three years. I could talk about gender all day. Like, I've read the Judith Butlers. I've read the Simone de Beauvoirs. You can, like, throw anything at me. And it's still really fucking hard. <laughs> Yeah, it's so complicated. So complicated. Um, yeah, it's it's deeply entrenched in sociology and the way we have structured our societies. And it's like I think it's where you find the most of the stratification. Because you have gender, and then you have 
gender and class and you have gender and race and class and then gender and race and then um, gender and sexual orientation you have a lot of stuff regarding to gender also gender is socially constructed okay i think we have had a good conversation and i I definitely would i would love to talk more about my class but i think by now we have um we've done enough for one week we don't want to talk you guys ears off any longer yeah so i think we should conclude with a sweet overheard i feel like you might have something in mind don't you I mean, it's a lie. I wanted to read another one, but I just came across this one, which I think ties ties quite well with our episode. Over here in New York, Astoria, New York. No bra, just vibes. That's it. <laughs> I guess this concludes our episode. Well, guys, if you've enjoyed the episode, do share it with a friend. Give us a rating on iTunes. Do all the good following stuff. And do give us a follow, especially on Instagram at Equally Lost Podcast. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, DJ, I like the melody